Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Wendy 2.0 and my Passion Project podcast. Why 2.0, you ask? Because once upon a time, I was a social media influencer named Keto Warrior Wendy. I spoke passionately about keto, mindset, spirituality, and holistic health. When I outgrew that stage of my life, my passion for speaking about these topics didn't disappear. So I've taken some time to grow and become more authentically who I am. I've rebirthed myself as Wendy 2.0, the new and improved version. This Passion Project podcast is a result of my desire and my life purpose to share information and to help give a voice to others to share what they are passionate about. I am looking for passionate collaborators in the spiritual, holistic, and mindset arenas. If you would like to be a guest on my podcast, please reach out to me. You can find all of my contact information on my website at worldofwellness.ca. I would love to hear what makes you tick. You can find this podcast on YouTube and Anchor, the always free and fabulous podcast platform. I am also on other social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, as well as Google My Business. Thank you for listening. And now, on to today's Passion Project podcast guests. Welcome, everybody, to Wendy 2.0, where everything you receive is real, raw, and authentic. I love this Passion Project podcast. I also love alliteration. That's why my business is Wendy's World of Wellness, and the podcast is the Passion Project podcast. So today with me, I have my business partner, my bestie, Lisa Graham from Moon Over Pisces, and we are going to be talking to you about the power of the pause, how to step out of your comfort zone to live your ideal or your best life. So welcome, Lisa. Just quickly give us a, um, just remind us of who you are and what you do, and then we will dive right into this podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me here. I always have so much fun when we do these podcasts. Um, so for those who don't know me, I'm uh, 12 years on the spiritual path doing uh, energy healing work. Um, I also read tarot. I also um, do um, past life regressions and fun things like that. Um, you can find me. We'll, we'll, we'll put all the links, I'm sure, at the end. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I, I just, I'm a healer. That's, that's, that's the word. <laughs> and you recently have started doing your own live streaming on Twitch, correct? Yes. Yes, I actually, I kind of got away from my schedule this week because the energies have just been all over the place, but uh, you can find me on Twitch TV some afternoons during the week uh, for about an hour or so, uh, Twitch twitch.tv slash moon over Pisces, super easy. It's a streaming service. So basically people can come on, listen to me talk, and they can interact and talk in the chat, which is a really cool, uh, fun thing that to do. Um, and I'm, I've been enjoying it when I get on there, so. Fantastic. So I will have all those links for you uh, in the comment boxes below. So just be sure whether you're on Anchor or YouTube, um, that they will be in the comment boxes. So you can find Lisa if you would like to follow her or work with her. We have the technology to help you find her. Imagine that. 
Imagine that. So Lisa and I have been talking a little bit this week about the power of the pause because both of us this year kind of put our life on hold for lack of a better way to put it. We kind of said, I'm not doing business. Money will figure itself out. I'm not doing healing. I'm not doing anything. I am going to immerse myself in my life. Now we understand before we start, we understand not everybody has the option to do this, but even if you can incorporate a little bit of this in your life, it will make a big difference in your overall day to day. Correct. Absolutely. 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 Um, you know, I think that a lot of times as a society, we get so shoved into this notion of, I have to get up and go to work and make money and do all of these things that everyone else around me wants me to do. And we forget to reconnect with our heart and say like, what do I want to do? And I think, you know, and for both of us this year, I think that's been a really big, big, big lesson in getting kind of smacked by the universe, <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, um, in, in just really paying attention to our own emotions and paying attention to uh, what's going on in our bodies in order to really stop, slow down and go, hey, is this really what I want to do with my life? You know, that, that age old question, what do I want to be when I grow up? Well, yeah, you know, I know for myself that last year, my guides kind of grounded me to the couch and they just said, you need to sit here, you need to be quiet and you need to go on a goddess journey. And this was last September. Um, so for two and a half weeks, all I did was what I wanted to do. I went out, I collected rocks so that I could paint them, which are still sitting in my dining room needing painting, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> I domestically goddess. So all I did was took care of my house and my husband and myself. I got up in the morning, I had a bath, I did block therapy, I meditated, but I didn't do anything that was business related. I didn't do anything that was to help other people. I kind of pulled myself back and said, okay, my, my guides were constantly nattering in my ear too, because I wasn't doing this very well last year. Um, as women in particular, we are raised to be self-sacrificial. We are raised to be people pleasers. We are raised to believe that we are supposed to do for all the people. And we forget that as the divine feminine, and Lisa and I are divine feminine coaches, we have a program called the Divine Feminine Pathway that we will be launching for January. Excited. We're very excited about that. So if you are out of touch with your divine feminine, we are your, your mentors and guides to help you come back to who you really are. Yeah. I was not doing the divine feminine very well because the divine feminine is not about doing, it is all about being. And we are not taught as women how to be. We are taught that we need to be like men and we need to do. Yeah. So for the first two and a half weeks, it was get up every morning, have a bath, go out into nature, get in touch with myself. And at first it was hard. It was so hard because I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know how to be this person. And it took two and a half weeks before my guide started to say, okay, 
here's your next steps. And they were steps that put me back into doing, which I gladly fell into because that was what I was familiar with. Yeah. And I've spent this year doing an awful lot, an awful lot. I have been holding my marriage together, um, which I'm grateful for because now my husband is holding it together and really doing a wonderful job of it and allowing him to step into his divine masculine and be the man instead of me being the man has really changed and shifted the dynamic in our marriage. Um, but I was holding our marriage together because my husband had shut everything down because of COVID, including me. Yeah. Um, I was helping all of my friends kind of keep their brain pan together. Lisa and I have done some very intense healing for each other this year. And that took up a lot of bandwidth. Yes. There's just been, and then my cat got really sick and I was nursing her for four months until she, we had to put her down um, towards the end of September. And it was when I put Spazzy down I was sitting outside of the vet's office and I'm crying and I can't go in because, you know, the rules being the rules and all of that, which is a whole nother ball of wax (laughs) that we're not going to get into, but those were the rules. So I couldn't go and be with my cat. And all I kept hearing in my head was this is breakdown to breakthrough. And I'm like, okay. When I got home, I realized that I had, not only did I have no energy, I had nothing left for anyone or anything. Lisa can attest to the the space that I was in when all of this happened and how, how badly off I was energetically. And I just looked at my husband and I said, I need a couple of weeks. I, I laugh now when I think about that, I need a couple of weeks to kind of pull myself together and heal. And we're on coming up on the end of week eight and I'm finally starting to feel like myself again, but there's been a lot of power in sitting quietly and just being, like I said, I've been really fortunate that my husband has been able to carry everything while I have been putting my pieces back together and rebuilding my energy, but it's very uncomfortable to step into the state of being versus doing because we're so programmed to believe that if we're not doing something then we're wasting our time exactly I'd like you to pick that up from there absolutely um so uh, interestingly enough our journeys have been very parallel the last six months or so um where you started last September you know doing the goddess thing last September, I really stepped into my masculine in a way that I hadn't before. Um, and, and not realizing that my feminine was suffering so badly. So in September, I, you know, I went gung ho. I'm like, I am going to do everything for my business now. And I started, you know, I launched the tarot course, um, and I did a few other things and things were going really, really, really well. And then I, I started this priestess initiation course. At the time, I was so angry because I felt like I wasted my money on it. But looking back, it was exactly what I needed at the time. Uh, because even though I was kind of relearning tools I already knew, 
I was relearning tools I already knew, but wasn't putting into practice. And so that's what it really did for me. And then um, close to Halloween last year, I sat down at my altar and, and I was gifted this beautiful healing modality of the divine feminine. And it's basically a balance system where you can balance your feminine and masculine. I had no idea what I was gifted with at that moment. None. It's taken me this whole year to really appreciate this, this healing modality that I was given. Um, and, and a big part of that was in not allowing my divine feminine and in not allowing myself to just be, I didn't trust myself. That was a hard thing to come to the grips with. So, you know, I kind of fumbled my way through Christmas and the new year. And, and then, um, I discovered, um, a whole new level of energy in the the fifth dimensional quantum grid, which is again, a whole nother, we could do a whole podcast on that one alone, but suffice it to say it's, it's fifth dimensional 5d, you know, that Ascension energy that we're going for. And it, it literally, it literally stopped me in my tracks. Like it stopped everything because I automatically just put up all these walls, all these boundaries and went, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And, uh, I had to, I had to pull it back in and then the March solstice came and a whole bunch of strange things happened, including and, me, I think, cause it was right around then right around and then. I started yeah. talking. I did a healing session for you. Yes. That was incredibly powerful, oh. incredibly powerful. And I have to say, and that was when we, I think we did the inner child integration and that I feel was a massive, massive pivotal turning point in me going, what the F am I doing here? I have been sitting in that ego for so long doing all that spiritual bypass thinking I'm just like the cat's meow here. And, you know, the universe went, oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> No, the universe went, oh, here's Wendy. <laughs> and in the course of the last seven, eight months, has it been now? I have come to appreciate that power of this beautiful divine feminine healing modality that I was gifted, uh, connecting with myself in a whole new way and delving into the generational trauma that I had no idea was even there. Um, and then my own personal trauma, just from this life alone, dealing with things that happened to me, you know, like the night my parents separated, the death of my best friend in kindergarten, things that you think, you know, you're like, I'm an adult, I'm over that. That happened, you know, almost 40 years ago. I'm fine. No, no, I wasn't fine. I was literally operating from that four and five-year-old trauma, reacting to things. I remember a specific conversation you and I had, and I remember going like, things are never going to change. This is, this is crap. This is, this is awful. This is, you know, exactly which conversation I'm talking about. Because, because afterwards, when she processed all of this, she comes back, she goes, I was such an asshole yesterday. I am so sorry. I'm like, no, you weren't. You were just dealing with your stuff. It was fine. But it was so powerful when you said, 
I remember this and no one allowed me the room, the time right. to grieve, yes. to take the space. We're never given the space to, to process these things. It's like, oh, well, he died. We got to keep going on with life. But That's life exactly doesn't what happened. work like that. And no. this is where pausing, even just for a short period of time, as much as you can pause yeah. is really important. Lisa and I have been both blessed that we've been able to full-time pause, but yes. if you can't full-time pause, even if you take a few minutes, half an hour at the end of your day, or get up half an hour earlier to take that time for yourself to be able to process, to, yep. to give yourself that space and the grace to feel the things that you need to feel. Yes. It changes everything. And, and it really made me uh, realize too, and especially that particular moment. And you said to me, the only way you're going to change is if you do change. And I went, damn it. She's right. <laughs> That's what my husband says a lot too. Yeah. Oh, she's right again. I don't, I don't try to be right. I often am very guided in that direction. Absolutely. Um, I also have a lot of experience with trauma and grief and change and transformation and all of that. So some of it comes from life experience. Some of it comes from, because I got guides nattering in my ear. So, Absolutely. You I know, have the same, the same. I don't apologize for that anymore. I just no. can't. I just no, can't. you can't. You absolutely <laughs> cannot because what it's doing is, you know, affecting real change in people's lives. I've noticed a huge difference since, and especially since that day, you know, you said that to me and I was like, I was, I was so mad, but you know what? I got over it. I put my running shoes on, grabbed the dog and went for a walk. And, and I'm just like, what's wrong with me? This and this and this. And of course this memory comes up, but right before it happened, I'm walking down one of the streets and this gentleman on this bicycle is riding by and he's clearly not well. Um, I actually, my heart went out to him because I felt really bad for him, but he was, he was literally mirroring for me all the things I had been feeling 20 minutes earlier before I stepped out the door. It's not fair. You all hate me. And you know, all of these things were going and he's literally mirror. And I'm like, okay, universe message received. I need to stop being in that victim mode. I need to stop letting myself step into it's not fair i need to start going what can i do to shift this for myself yeah. and that's when i really 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 stepped into that okay i need to stop i need to what does my heart want to do and i reconnected with my music in a really really powerful way um that also came along with the energy of my twin flame which made me feel like i was going crazy too but that was a whole whole other thing going on I'm literally healing myself in this moment of like I need to stop I need to sit and be quiet I I think I had a whole entire week well all I did was I literally sat here healing myself energetically with my eyes closed for a week it was it was a magnificent wonderful quiet week um and and I realized at the end of that week of just allowing myself how in the past, if I had done that, the guilt would have been monumental. 
I didn't feel one little shred of guilt at the end of that week. And for me, that was like the most big, beautiful, you know, Hey, look at this. This is where I'm at now. I'm not guilty about loving myself anymore. And there's still moments when the guilt creeps up. And then I just have to look at it and say, you know what? There's no place for you anymore. Guilt. I have to step into who I am. And part of that is accepting those moments of just being. And a lot of times I feel that as women, when we're, you know, pushed into that, you know, do, 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 like, you know, get up, get the kids ready, get, get to school, get to work, get lunch going, get supper going, get all of those things going. Right. Oh yeah. Don't forget. You got to do the laundry and, and, you know, does the kids have homework do, you know, what's going on, right? There's always something, you know, maybe they've got an extracurricular activity or maybe, you know, they've got something else that needs done. It's, um, it's really overwhelming. And I really feel for, for women in those positions, because not everyone is blessed enough to have a spouse or a partner that gives them that space. And, uh, you know, when it comes to that, my personal opinion is like, make the time. Sometimes you, you know, you got to tell your kids, I love you, but mommy needs 20 minutes. Even if you're closing the door and locking it in the bath for 20 minutes and just letting yourself just forget everything and just be, um, and don't feel guilty about it. That's the biggest thing. That is the biggest thing for women. I know even it wasn't until spaz, we had to put her down until that day. Every time I took time for myself, I felt guilty because all the financial responsibility has been sitting on my husband's head. Same with you. I've watched you go through the guilt cycle so many times this year. Yep. But at that point, as I sat there crying outside of the vet's office, I knew that if I did not say I need to set this boundary and I need to do this for myself and I need to release myself from the guilt of doing this that I was going to lose myself. I was going to completely lose myself. I mean, my mental health was struggling. I've already spent over 30 years with mental health issues. I wasn't interested in diving back into those mental health issues. Right. Um, I just knew that I had to do this and I had to not feel guilty about it. And at first The first week or so was hard. The first week or so, I mean, we're grieving the loss of our cat and she was a wonderful, wonderful creature. And she, she did so much for me in terms of keeping a lot of the nasty energies away from me. Yeah. Right. And she just, even though she was a very small cat, she was only eight pounds. She filled a very large space in our family. Um, So I just kind of sat around for the first few days going like, what just happened here? Um, And then we decided to get kittens. And of course they have been very rejuvenating energy wise, which has been wonderful. But I really, after about the first week or so, I I had this shift. um, And I started to not feel guilty because I could start to feel myself starting to feel better. It was slow. It was a slow progression. I mean, like I said, I'm coming up on eight weeks of this now and I'm slowly 
starting to implement things back into my life, but it's been slow. It only started about a week ago that I started to feel like my brain was starting to function properly again. And that, um, I could actually do something and not need to fall asleep. Like when you are guilty about taking time for yourself, it leads you to burnout. It really does. It really does. Um, and I know a lot of that for me too, over the summer and even into the early fall was owning other people's stories. That was a really, really big one, especially other people's stories about money. That was a tough one. Um, and just realizing that, you know, the only person that I need to take responsibility for is me. The only person's emotions I need to take responsibility for are mine. And, and, and especially as, you know, a highly sensitive empath and a Pisces, like that's what, that's what I've done my whole entire life. You know, it started in that moment when my mother walked away at four years old and my dad said, she'd be back the next day. It started, you know, it, it continued on in that next moment when they wouldn't talk about my friend who passed away, you know, and then over the next few years where I covered for my brother and then my other brothers, as they got older, I constantly covered for them, you know, like, and I'd take the blame. I'd take the fall every time so much so that when I was 14 years old um, and I really, really took this to heart. So when I was a teenager, uh, the system decided that it was better for my brother and I to go live with our mom than to live with our, our father and his wife. But I remember one incident in particular around that. Um, and it's so funny because I can talk about it so matter of factly now. It doesn't trigger me. It doesn't bother me. Nothing. But it's where I really realized that this is where I was taking ownership of other people's problems. So we attended church regularly as a family, pretty much every Sunday. Uh, and I remember we were in the van and driving home and I overheard my stepmother telling my father that the uh, pastor wanted to speak to them about a discipline issue with the children. So I can, I'm sure you can imagine where this is going. Um, and in that moment, my immature unformed brain went, oh no, what did us kids do now? And I was devastated because I thought it was our fault that there was a problem when in reality it was the adults problem and it was their fault, you know, for, for, well, being abusive. And so in that moment, I, I took ownership for that when it was not something I should be taking ownership for. So when I started to realize that and I could finally go, okay, I don't need to uh, take ownership for that anymore. I only need to take ownership for my own problems. And I literally visualized these things as energy and sent them back to the people they belong to. What a difference. I can finally stand in my own energy. I can finally realize my own emotions where I'm, you know, not dealing with other people's emotions. That, that, that's a really big thing as empaths and women women are just natural empaths, right? We're naturally intuitive. And of course, be, that being our birthright, but understanding that we don't have to own other people's stuff, that was the most amazing revelation for me this, this year in just being in those quiet moments and being in myself and realizing 
I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. I wouldn't be hanging out with you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that that has been probably one of the most profound things for myself too, is that, you know, as, um, as I beat my head against the wall, trying to break through this wall that my husband put up, I was also owning everything, you know, thinking, well, you know, I've done something wrong. And even though I knew I hadn't, even though I knew I was trying my hardest, I was still owning the fact that our marriage was falling apart because, you know, maybe I'm not trying hard enough. What else could I be doing? Like how many times did I say to you this year, you know, what else can I do? What, how else can I, can I fix this? And basically what happened was my husband sent me a message one morning and, you know, for him, when things go wrong in our marriage, he always, the first thing he notices is the sex, right? Well, sex is just a symptom of a larger problem. So I took his message and I broke it all down in an email. And I guess he finally got the message that I was ready to walk and boom, everything changed. And then spaz died. And I said, you're responsible for the marriage for a while. And I stopped being responsible for our marriage. And as soon as I handed all of that back to him, everything in here shifted, everything. I, I'm no longer triggered by the things that he says or does. He, he did something a couple of weeks ago that I've told him a hundred times. If I've told him once, I don't like it. And he does it. And I give him the same response that I always give him. And he says, I knew you were going to say that. I said, well, if you knew I was going to say that, why did you do it? And it was exactly how I said it. I was playing a game on my phone and I'm like, I don't understand why you continue to do something. If you know that it bothers me. Yeah. I said, so you're sitting here and you're very triggered right now. You need to figure out why you are triggered. And I literally said it that calmly and continued playing my little word game on my phone. And (laughs) it's amazing when you don't allow yourself to immerse yourself in other people's shit, because that's what it is. You're immersing yourself in their triggers and blaming yourself for triggering them when you have nothing to do with it. (laughs) When you don't immerse yourself in that, it's wonderful how calm you can stay. Exactly. Right. When you just detach from it and you detach from the outcome too, because at, at this point I'm like, I have this moment and this moment only. So how can I be the best in this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment, this like, right in this moment, what am I doing? I'm recording a podcast. I'm in a great space. When I get off of here, who knows what that moment's going to hold? It'll hold whatever it holds. When I get there, there's a very profound shift that happens when you start to realize that when you stay in the moment that you're in, nothing can trigger you. Yes, really nothing can trigger you because you're in the now and right now. Yep. That, that might be a problem for them. Yep. Maybe I can help them with it, but I don't need to jump into their now moment. And if their now moment is all chaos, that's fine. But my now moment doesn't have to be chaotic. It's all about the conscious and unconscious choices you're making in that moment to stay present, to stay in the, well, if you're in the now moment, you're constantly in the pause. You're constantly in the space between being with source energy and being in the 3D matrix. You're in now. 
that's it. And that's all you have is right now. But when you spend all your time in guilt and worry and all of those other unnecessary emotions that we have been taught are necessary to teach us, it doesn't allow you the space or the grace to pour love into yourself. When you stay in the now moment, every moment you're focusing on I'm staying in love and light. I am staying in love. I love myself, you know, um, and it, this all sounds pie in the sky. You have to understand Lisa and I've been working on this all a long time, (laughs) all year to get to this space, but it's been really good for both of us because now we're going to be able to take all this learning, put it into our divine feminine pathway program and share it with the world (laughs) on how to bring yourself back to yourself to your cells, to your inner unique alignment, right? And to step into the left side of your body and be, you can still do, you still Mm -hmm. have to have, like, I mean, everybody is a balance of divine masculine and divine feminine, but women tend to fall over into the right side of their body because that's what they've been told. But when you start stepping over here, you're way more empowered, Yes, way more empowered stepping into your divine feminine and for the gentlemen that are watching this having that balance between the divine feminine and the divine masculine is going to help you not to be triggered as well now we're not saying to the guys y'all got to step over into your divine feminine no you need to be in your masculine because that's who you are but if you've got a woman in your life you need to encourage her to be more creative to do more things in the 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 feminine side, the, the creativity, you know, cooking, sewing, cleaning, painting, whatever it is, dancing, you know, Lisa's into music. So she's been singing and playing the piano. And this is, as I say that I can feel your energy shift over to the left. It's excited. (laughs) Like I could, I could just feel it. I did because that is what lights her up. And when she's doing the things that light her up, it brings the things into her life Yes. that she wants. So I want you to talk about how that's worked for you. So um, four words have been my mantra for the last probably two months. Accept, allow, detach, surrender. Accept where you are in this moment. Allow yourself to receive and allow yourself to uh, just be. Detach you know, you, you put your manifestations out there, you put out what you want, detach and surrender. Just let it be what it's going to be. You made a plan before you came here and your plan is absolutely perfect. So if you allow that to unfold the way it needs to unfold, phenomenal results. So I'm going to bring my twin flame into this a little bit because he does actually have his energy. He does have something to do with me stepping into this again. As a child, I taught myself how to play piano. I loved to sing. I was actually doing quite well at it. And then it was kind of ripped out from underneath of me um, as far as like being connected to that. Uh, And throughout high school and things like that, you know, I, I was in choirs and I did that kind of stuff. I really enjoyed it. But I never got in touch with my true voice. And then when I was 17, something happened that almost completely devastated me. No, I I think it did. My mother's opinion of me was super, 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 super important. Like it was probably one of the most important things in my life at that time. 
And I did a performance that she was at. And afterwards, a lot of people said I did a great job. It was mediocre at best. I will admit that. I'm okay with that now. I didn't rehearse. I didn't do any of the things I needed to do <laughs> to prepare for it. I was being a typical cocky 17-year-old kid. But instead of encouraging me and saying, you know, maybe if you'd practiced a little bit or, you know, when you prepared a little bit, it would have done better. My mother's words to me were, I'm embarrassed to know you. That hit hard. I almost quit completely at that point. Um, and interestingly enough, at the same time, um, I had my, my whole face broke out. My, my acne went really bad. My cold sores, I, I had, I got a sunburn and my cold sores went really bad too. And I went back to school and my teacher's like, are you okay? I'm like, I couldn't even open my mouth. They were so bad. And, um, when I, when I talked to her about what had happened, she's like, well, no wonder she understood that correlation between my face breaking out and my mother saying those horrible things to me. And uh, I, I was like, but I'm going to just quit vocal class because I can't do this anymore. You know, it's not, I'm not good enough. And she's like, no, don't quit. And I love her forever for saying this. She told me you have a lovely voice. Don't let lack of preparation stop you from performing. So I continued to, you know, sing karaoke with my, my first husband, you know, off and on until we had kids and then kids happened. Right. And I just stopped completely. And then somewhere in my early thirties, I kind of started playing. We, we got a piano and like, we got like an actual full size, heavy ass piano that we dragged into our house ourselves. Don't ever do that. I'm, I, I'm sure that's part of why my sciatic is injured to this day. <laughs> And I, and I reconnected with it. I actually found an old hymn book at um, a secondhand store. I don't remember which one and that I used. That's what I learned to play from growing up. I, I used the hymn book from church. I actually accompanied the church a couple of times when grandma broke her leg because she was the church pianist, right? And um, the funny part about all of that was I disconnected from it again, because at that time in my life, I wasn't ready for the power of what the music would do for me. And then a few years ago, I took vocal lessons. And again, I wasn't ready for the power of it. And then about three months ago, I pulled out my kid's keyboard that I bought her four years ago that she never uses. And I just started banging away and I started looking for sheet music and I started and I started really singing. And the interesting thing is, the energy of my twin flame came in because he's quite a gifted musician and actually was teaching me how to move my body, how to relax myself my, and open myself up to actually let my true voice out. And has that ever been like, I'm, I, I'm this close to actually recording something and, and putting on online. That's how much more comfortable I am. Even just practicing, I wouldn't have done that before when other people were around in the house and now I'm like whatever they don't like what they hear too bad because when you are practicing vocal techniques you make some really funny weird sounds and I used to go oh nobody should hear me that sounds terrible oh that's I can't do that nope confidence is back I'm comfortable with my voice I even started like um getting a lot more clairaudient messages through songs 
And, and that's actually uh, one of the ways my twin flame and I communicate is through songs. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to just wake up in the middle of the night and hear a song that you're like, what does that even mean? Oh, wait. Oh, hey, how's it going? You know? <laughs> so that's really, as you can tell, that's where my passion has really stepped into. And so when I stepped into that and I, I kind of went, eh, I don't care about the rest of the stuff. Interestingly enough, that's when I started getting busy in my business. That's when I started really being able to help people too on a whole nother level. And in accepting my imagination, that was another one. How many of us as children were told, get your head out of the clouds, stop daydreaming. It actually took me allowing myself to walk through, of all things, a sexual fantasy. I made myself walk through it step by step by step. It was painful. It was hard because of all of the things were told around that. But once I did that, it opened something up in my imagination. And now I can connect with that so much more easily. And the other wonderful side effect of that is my psychic abilities have gone through the roof. Um, I'm connecting with and helping people in ways that I had no idea existed until I allowed myself to live from here. And that's kind of the message we're trying to get across today is that for taking that time for yourself, finding those things that make you passionate. I mean, this is the passion project podcast after all the things that make you passionate attract the things into your life that you're looking for without you having to actively go and seek them. Even myself, I've noticed like over the last few weeks, I've done nothing to try and promote my business. And I have people that are starting to, you know, reach out to me. Hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can I book an appointment for that? I have put out nothing, nothing. I don't even know what I'm offering. And then I have been just reaching out to people and saying, Hey, I'm going to start teaching block therapy classes. They all have blocks. I say, you know, are you interested? Every single one of them has said yes. A year ago, I put out there, does anyone want block therapy classes? And it was crickets. Yeah. This time I put out, does anyone want block therapy classes? And I'm going to have classes because I actually have people that are interested because I, my energy has changed. Yes. My energy. It's not about I'm hustling and I'm putting out posts and I'm doing all the things nope. I am focusing on the things that make me feel good. And it's attracting the things into my life that I want. Now, that being said, I was never planning, and Lisa knows the story, but um, I was never planning on teaching block therapy classes. When I first started learning block therapy, my instructor at the time, who's now a block therapist, she was like, you should really become an instructor and teach classes. I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, I did massage therapy. I was a practicing massage therapist for 10 years. After that, it was like, nope, I don't want to do any more of this body work stuff. I burnt out really hard, yada, yada, yada. So I... <laughs> I go on this journey over two years. I end up becoming a block therapy instructor because I wanted to work with, I wanted to work at block therapy head office and Deanna Hansen, who is the creator of block therapy said, you need to have your instructor to work for me. Okay. So I got my instructor in, uh, when did I get that? I don't know, 2019, I guess. Yeah. 2019, early 2020, somewhere in there. And then when I started working for Deanna, part of my payment was she gave me 
the block therapist program, which I also was not intending to take. And I got my block therapist done this year in April. So I am fully trained as a block therapist so I can read your fascia and tell you what classes you need to do to unwind your body to bring yourself into optimal health. And I'm a block therapy instructor. All along, up until three weeks ago, I was telling everyone, including Deanna, I have no interest in teaching classes. And every morning, part of my routine for me is I wake up now. I started this about five weeks ago. I wake up in the morning and before, either before my feet hit the floor or I go for a pee and then I hop back into bed, I meditate first thing in the morning because I want to set my day properly for myself. And that starts off with a clear head. That doesn't mean I get up and the first thing I do is pick up my device. The first thing I do is I get up and I meditate. And in this meditation about three weeks ago was it's time to teach block therapy classes. <laughs> I got out of that meditation. I went, what? But I can feel it in my cells where before I was putting it out there because I should be putting it out there because yeah. I should be helping my husband. I, do you hear me shooting all over myself? Mm -hmm. I should be helping my husband with the finances. I should be teaching classes. I should be getting block therapy. That, that's not coming from a place of passion. Nope. Now I'm going to do it because I want to do it. Now I'm going to do it because I want to be serious about my block therapy practice. Now I'm going to do it because I believe so strongly what block therapy is and the changes that it can make for people that all the excuses that I had before are no longer valid, but yeah. it took me time. It took me time and it took me the, the, it actually, what it did was it took me not practicing block therapy for a while to realize the power of block therapy and how much it was actually helping me. Cause I'm in my fifties. So your body starts to slow down. You get all these aches and pains, boy, they're back full time, full roar. And I'm like, Oh no, it is time to get serious about my block practice. And to do that, one of the best ways to do that is to teach classes and show other people the beauty and the magic of what block therapy is. So I would not have gotten to this place if I had not taken the time to pause and get quiet and just allow those next steps to, to, to kind of flow through and flow out of my body. Right. And it's Absolutely. the same for you. I mean, your business Absolutely. has dramatically increased since you started playing the piano. The two yep. have nothing to do with anything. Exactly. Lisa has not been putting up a lot of posts about, you know, come work with me. I still offer services, yada, yada. And yet she's attracting all of this to her because she's taking the time to invest in herself, change her own energetic output. Yes. Right. When you're loving yourself, your energetic output is different and it automatically attracts the like-minded people to you or the Absolutely. people who want to work with you so that they understand how it is that you are living your life even though you're not putting anything out there about it it doesn't matter exactly. your energetic output is putting exactly. it out there and magnetically through the law of attraction attracting it to you right and and the the the, the crazy thing about all of it is you know it, it the thing that you need to heal or focus on may have absolutely nothing to do with the thing you want to bring in like honestly 
I was like, I don't want to be known as like a twin flame reader or twin flame knowledge person. Like I, I actually didn't even believe that it existed until a few months ago. <laughs> you and me both. Yep. My twin flame came in this year and I was like, oh, come on. There's no such thing until I started looking it up. And then I realized that this is exactly what I was going through. Yep. And, and then I reached out to Lisa and I'm like, hey, I'm going through this. And she's like, what? It's like, so we were both in this place of that's a pile oh, of hooey. It is not a pile of hooey. No, but because my twin flame has, has definitely influenced my life as well. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to say that for me, that's been a big thing the last few months that, you know, I haven't even met mine. You, you know, you, you, I, I haven't even met this person. It's just their energy is influencing my life. But what it did was it really made me look at the things, the things I was ignoring in myself, the things I was hating about myself, the things that, you know, where I felt inadequate, all of those things. And when I, and when I was like, well, why am I so worried about that? You know, I haven't met this person, but they're just another human, just like me. Why am I so worried about all of this? And I was just able to just literally, because for me, everything is energy. Everything is emotion. Energy is, uh, or emotion is energy in motion. I just literally visualized all of this stuff as energy and said, you know what? I don't need this anymore. Transmit it back into something more positive. And, you know, that for me was what made the biggest difference was accepting that I was more than enough for this person and the, the love that I was feeling from this energy. Yeah. And we are definitely going to have to do just a podcast just on what twin flames are, what the experience is like, um, and what the ultimate goal is, because there's a lot of confusion around that, but we're not going to get into that right now. But Lisa, Lisa and I definitely can help any of you that are confused between karmic connections, soulmates and twin flames. We already did do a podcast about this. So if you missed that podcast with Lisa and I uh, do go back to YouTube or anchor. And I think it was episode two. Uh, that we did demystifying twin flames, soulmates and karmic connections. So if you're confused about this piece of the conversation, please go and check out that podcast. Um, So I think in conclusion, so we can wrap this up a little bit. It's really important to step out of your comfort zone. Get uncomfortable with being quiet with yourself. Yes. Right. We're not, we're taught we're supposed to be busy all the time and we're not, we're not learn to connect with nature, learn to meditate, learn to just get very quiet within your own body. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that means sitting on the couch doing sweet, nothing all day long. And literally nothing like literally nothing. Turn off the TV. Literally I've had days where I just sit here. Yeah, everything's on, but I'm not paying any attention to it. It's all shoved to the side. And I'm just like, this feels nice. Learn how to breathe diaphragmatically. That's what block therapy teaches you. That's what yoga teaches you. Diaphragmatic breath is extremely important in learning how to get yourself grounded inside of your body. And interestingly enough, Diaphragmatic breathing is a very, very important part of your meditation and singing as well. Yes. So. Because we, we breathe, we sing from our diaphragm. We don't yep. sing from our throats. We sing from our diaphragm. You so can actually strong, destroy your voice singing from here. The stronger 
your diaphragm is, the less adhesions your diaphragm has, the more clear and the more powerful your voice is. And I know this yeah. because I did uh, 12 hours of block therapy uh, at, a, at a teacher intensive in Winnipeg with Deanna. And afterwards, two days later, my diaphragm was so amazing. I was belting as I was driving home from Winnipeg, I'm belting out the tunes and my voice was awesome like the power behind it and i was breathing properly and it was coming down and the diaphragm was working this also just as a quick aside sets up your postural foundation yes for the middle much. of your body and it's really very important that your diaphragm that you're breathing from there we shouldn't be breathing from these upper respiratory muscles no. these are recruited from fear stress and negativity so learning how to breathe from your diaphragm also brings in 600% more absorption of oxygen. So for those of you that have brain fog, this is a, a quick fix. And you'll notice if you, when you start doing it, you start to yawn because you're so yeah. oxygen deprived. Yeah. Um, the first couple of weeks when I really stepped into like, okay, I really want to work on the breathing and the phrasing and things when I'm singing, I spent a lot of time yawning and almost feeling kind of dizzy a little bit. But the more I did it, the more I got used to it, the more I actually wanted to go outside and walk and use my lungs and do things like that. So it's, it's like this little snowball effect. When you do one thing, it makes you want to do more and more and more. Exactly. When I started the meditation every morning, and that's all I did, just meditate in the morning and meditate before I go to sleep. And I'm doing both of them in bed. So if I fall asleep, I fall asleep, whatever, who cares? Yep. But it's because I did that, then the next step was, wow, I'm not sleeping very well, I need to get back on my block. And I need to recommit that piece to myself. Because when you get quiet with yourself, your body starts to tell you how to love it properly. So it absolutely does. So in concluding this podcast, we want you to know that by getting quiet, even though it's uncomfortable, at first, is going to help attract into your life all the things that you want. The things that you're sitting and you're like, well, this is what my ideal life looks like and my life doesn't look like that. When you start getting quiet, you start tapping into the knowledge that your body houses for you. Yes. That's when you start to attract all of this into your life. So thank you, Lisa, for being here today. This was a fantastic conversation. It was, I thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. And as we mentioned at the beginning, all the links will be in the comment boxes below so that you can find Lisa and you can find me. We would love to work with you or answer any questions you might have. Do leave us some comments because we're happy to jump in and answer anything that, that might be confusing to you. Lisa, we'll definitely be coming back so that we can talk to you about twin flames and what that whole journey is about. Because for those in the spiritual realm, this is a big buzz topic right now. It is. Just remember, everybody slow down, breathe deeply, get quiet, and your life can become exactly what you want it to be. This is Wendy 2.0, where everything you receive is real, raw, and authentic. Have a wonderful day.